He's the host that has two tattoos. You're the host that has none. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Family Fatherhood Program, episode 256. Paperkeg.com. You know, it's the three of us get together, talk about a book off air. We have heated discussions, friendships melt away off air this week neil gaiman returns sandman volume three dream country And we'd read your letters live to close the show. Just a, just a forewarning to everyone listening right now. We have a writer on the show. And he's just been snorting liquid caffeine tonight. He's in rare form. He looks amazing. Jonesy loves beer. Writer, you know, I, welcome I, back. I figured if I couldn't do the writing, that I could at least have all the writer's bad habits. So, you know, I really go for the booze and drug intake. Yeah. And then maybe I'll get around to writing someday, you know? Mm-hmm. And we're all, well, two two out of three hosts are wearing the A shirts. You know, those Hanes A shirts. Jonesy's wearing a white one. And mm. th- there's something happening with the the color white that, that I've never <laughs> witnessed before. It's your skin tone plus the white shirt where it looks like I'm looking into the eyes of our Lord and Savior. You know, I could... I could very well just be a head floating towards the microphone. And uh, you know Tom Sawyer, where he convinces Huck Finn to whitewash the fence for him? That's what I imagined that I look like, just like a southern whitewash fence with just this disembodied head floating above it, Mm. you know, being snarky or Mm. or what have you. Mm. You know, Lord and Savior, whoever that may be. You know, you know, whatever you worship, if you worship. Hey, Jesus de Cristo. If, if you don't worship, that's great too. You know? Right. Yeah, this podcast is for everybody. You know? <laughs> it is. It really is. The bioluminescence of Jonesy's <laughs> uh, is what is actually what? in the cocoon movies with just, <laughs> just white with eyes and a mouth. It's just white. Let's just be real with each other. If I were the, if I were at the bottom of the ocean right now, I would give off a glow that you could probably use to get back to surface. Yeah, years from now, I think the scientists, you know, will investigate the effect of sugar-free monster and what it does to the skin pigmentation, what it does to your insides. I mean, case study right here. Yeah. You know, as he turns out to be just the dangling tip of the anglerfish attracting smaller fish into his darkness. That's a metaphor for podcasting, too, I think. Maybe, really. maybe I'm just, uh, whatever those sucker fish are, and they, like, they ride sharks, and they give off that glow. 
Maybe I'm just a symbiote for you two in the wow. greater paper mm-hmm. cake wow. universe. You something know, to, something to think about. We have one final host. Just a reminder: Sandman Volume Three, Dream Country. Right around the corner. Sandman has returned to Paper Keg after, you know, I honestly didn't think we'd ever come back. Yeah. It was, it was getting close. It was it was a game time decision. We have the VP of this show. He's the VP of everything, especially our Facebook page. You know, the Facebook thing is just, it's red hot right now. Dale's running the show. He's looking at metrics. You know, he's pulling in data about Facebook insights. Or they're and stealing it's, it's, and they're u- th- they're using our data that they have for their own means, owning <laughs> our information. Sure. Yeah. And you're back, Dale underscore A. Thanks for being a part of this special episode. It's great to be back. You may notice I don't have my A shirt on. It's because when I came out of my pool like uh, Bo Derek, oh, listening, this guy, pool, you wearing know, came a... Out of my uh, pool. Just draping myself in a non-standard size beach towel, something more akin to a, uh, a dish towel to dry off. <laughs> I walked into my house topless, and I put—I slipped right into my sleep shirt tonight. Stretched mm. out neck, armpits blackened from what I guess is my Mitchum deodorant. Just bl- if it's blackening my sleep shirts, what's it doing to my skin and my insides? Right now, can I would hate to get some sort of science person on it. But that's what's happening because if I didn't put it on, it would be I mean, even worse. If it can eradicate the outer layers of a cotton polyester blend, <laughs> sure. what is it doing to the human, you know, epidermis? Well, I think I think Morpheus tackles that deodorant in volume four. That's a whole. There's a six parter. Uh, you know, issue four and a half, Mitchum. Just one word title. Yeah, no, it's, it's some it. like Mitchum's song or Mitchum's journey or yeah, yeah, it's, Midsummer's it's Mitchum, scent of Mitchum. God knows <laughs> what horrors lie within. We'll find oh out in another God. year or two. Uh, we have, you know, we're going to get to Sandman in just just a moment here. Neil Gaiman and friends, Kelly Jones, I think, is a part of that trio group Believe team, that. and the rest. <laughs> <laughs> we have a huge announcement. Yidge, very. Soon we're gonna have another dear friend on the show. Oh man! Mm. Very soon, Dale's been you know working the calendar, working the emails, working the phones, and it's finally gonna happen. We're gonna tease this out. He's coming soon. He's on the road. None other than Chuck Forsman. Uh, 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 Real I mean, guys, get excited. This is this has been in the works for a long time. Bless his soul. Uh, if you guys want to get the books, you better start hitting your local comic shops now or eBay. Dakota North, Marvel miniseries from 1986. Charles Forsman combed the long boxes at Heroes Con in North Carolina to get us our copies. We are we are lucky enough to call him friend. So uh, he hooked us up with uh, the complete runs that we needed to do the book club. And uh, we're going to give you guys uh, enough time to try to hunt those issues down yourself. Fantastic opportunity. Uh, coming up with some, you know, we're laying the groundwork now because, you know, with San Diego Comic-Con coming up mm. and Lake Tahoe, Jonesy, probably to go out there and see Sting and P- Peter Gabriel again. Yeah, I, I'm Don't saying it's him. for a wedding, but it's really for me to just follow Sting and Peter Gabriel on tour yeah. like some, you know. Guy. He is so frontier, everyone, and uh, 
because of that, uh, we will uh, we're going to get these books read, and we're going to get a, hard, a date nailed down with our friend Charles Forsman. I, I mean, can't. I personally can't wait. You you can't just get this book on Comicsology. Disclaimer or for Comicsology, you can't just get it on Amazon. Yeah, you got to dig in your local shop. You got to talk to your beardo brethren at your local spot, wearing his size medium T-shirt. Say, listen, bud. Where's this book at? And you're going to lock eyes. And you're going to have a moment. The same kind of moment that us and Chuck Forsman are going to have in just a few short weeks. Should I, uh, I mean, I have the letter, the handwritten letter, well, the type letter he sent us right here offhand. Shall, shall I read it for the group? Was that letter marked okay to okay for air? Okay I mean, to who cares? I just read it. Just so in case I edited even... that out, Jonesy just read a letter from Chuck Forsman that was included <laughs> with the Dakota North right. books. You know, uh, we're not sure if he should have. Charles Forsman, I'm going to make you an insane guarantee. If I ever, uh, you know, get married again, I want you to be in the bridal party. You, you should stand up with me wow. and take a second set of vows. Mm. God, and just... Dale, and uh, you know, I guess Slim. You know, well, I mean, at this rate, you're taking so many vacations with your wife. You probably won't need to get remarried. You know, I'm just trying to rekindle the fire. Of our passion, vacation Slim. number six this year. We're in what month seven? Might I mean, be God a, bless. A God numero bless you. ocho, uh, from my recollection. Then uh, number nine will be with you in August. You know, we have to move on. We have to move on. <laughs> we have to proceed to Sandman. There's, there's, there's been rumors. There's been whispers of Rocket League this evening, mm. and I don't want to miss it. Ooh. Sandman Volume Three. It's almost been a hundred episodes, I think, since we talked about. Sandman Volume Two. Wow! And uh, Jonesy, can you can you refresh what this book is about and what this volume is? This volume, Volume Three, is Neil Gaiman at his absolute best. Uh, four issues of Sandman. Uh, all four are vignettes, uh, not necessarily moving the overarching story along, as much as giving us insight into not only what the same man is but really what the endless are as a race and you learn very soon that the endless are more concepts turned into being than they are an actual race of things uh four issues calliope uh second <laughs> one is about cats i i forget the issue then we have a midsummer night's dream and then we have facade or facade facade whatever you want to pronounce it uh, great issues. The first one deals with the capture of a muse from uh, the Greek mythology, who we find out was a ex-lover of uh, Morpheus, the uh, eponymous Sandman. Then the cat issue, as I call it fondly, is uh, about a prophet cat preaching to the world of cats about a time when cats ruled men. Uh, then we have A Midsummer Night's Dream, which is a famous uh, Shakespeare play, uh, was secretly, uh, you know, one of the products of a machination of uh, Morpheus in his younger days to kind of honor the fae and the old gods. And then finally we have Cade, which is like the intersection of Neil Gaiman and superhero comics and kind of 1970s pulp uh, 
and tells the story of a CIA agent who uh, meddles with ancient Egyptian powers to get superhuman abilities and what does that really mean for the rest of her life uh, featuring Morpheus's younger sister death I mean just four unrelated issues that flesh out Morpheus and what it really means to be an endless being and that's uh, the third volume of Sandman I uh I have to say, I actually went back to listen to our last Sandman episode on the train tonight to get a Ooh. refresher on what I thought of Volume 2, because I honestly just totally forgot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. been so long. Right. And Dream of a Thousand Cats was that issue that I couldn't remember. The I, I do remember vividly Gen Z referring, referring to Sandman as Neil, uh, <laughs> and then as Cure <laughs> Neil. As right. I referred to him as also looking like uh, what's his face from the Cure. Robert I mean, Smith. Morpheus <laughs> is basically Neil Gaiman. Uh, am I right? I mean, if you Google image search Neil Gaiman, and then Google Google image search you know Sandman Morpheus. I mean, I think it's like a perfect match. You know, like on a, on a show where like the two screens meld together, and it says one hundred percent match. I'm pretty sure this is like a hundred and six percent match. That's not technically mathematically possible, but we're I mean, gonna I'm not a allow tech it. Guy, I don't fill out tickets. The, but you know, I think that's I think that's <laughs> Gen right. Z. We're running out of tape, Gen Z. The <laughs> tail just shakes his head over there. No comment. Now, the second volume you both really loved. Uh, I didn't enjoy it as much because it was a it was a one through it, it was like six parter. Like it, and then I specifically remember not enjoying it because I had recently reread or reread Swamp Thing, and I was like, "This doesn't compare." And I, I want those one-off stories, and which we didn't get in Volume Two. So lo and behold, and I'm sure multiple people replied to us, oh, "It's coming to Volume Three. Oh, it's coming." Uh, <laughs> it did come right. in Volume Three. These were the one-off stories that I wanted, and. It was sh- shorter. Uh, like I thought I was like, oh, man, I wonder if I'm going to get it done on this two-hour train ride. And I was done like way earlier. There's only four issues, only four stories. They don't have a, you know, a thread, an overarching thread. So this is what I wanted. This is what I clamored for. I really did enjoy it. And um, you know, I, thought it was, I thought it was really good. It was great because they were unrelated and the four stories couldn't have been further apart from each other as far as being related in any way. Mm-hmm. It's just more it's Morpheus centric or Morpheus's world endless centric, but they were so 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 different and unique and the fact that Neil can tell these types of stories and just the f- the title Sandman is the only thing they have related to one another is like the greatest thing in the world, right? It's so cool that none of them have to be of any subject matter whatsoever. And I think he's only he's one of two writers alive in comics that could do this. And the other one obviously is Alan Moore. And you got the similar thing in Swamp Thing. I just feel mm-hmm. like there's no one else on his level that could pull off or maybe i just haven't read their work yet or i'm forgetting them but like you read you read the the cat issue the calliope issue you're like you know no one else could do this 
Like yeah. you can't you can't just write an oddball story like this and get away with it. I feel like, and most writers probably wouldn't even try because maybe they're scared to try to do something like that. I agree. I think uh, most writers struggle with propelling their mythos, and when they're forced to have to uh, move it along, it's at the expense of like so much exposition that you kind of like yawn through it mm-hmm. like here's the part where i have to tell you about this universe and i'm going to give it to one character and it's going to be a speech and you're like yawn but neil gaiman does it like four individual episodes of the twilight zone he's like i'm not going to tell you one thing to make you understand morpheus i'm going to tell you like four great stories that you would find in like the outer limits or tales from the crypt and that is going to show you who morpheus really is mm-hmm. right. it's like this great thing where he tell you he tells you so much with really telling you next to nothing i mean in the the dream of a thousand cats he shows up in three pages and he's a cat and the only reason you know it's morpheus is because of that great lettering trick they do whenever he speaks but beyond that he's barely a character in the book and uh you know in the fourth issue uh facade he's not in it at all it's just rounding out what an endless is i think the only time he appears uh physically for a long time in this book is a midsummer night stream where he kind of comments on kind of the uh, the folly of man and what the fae mean for like dreams i mean he's only in it for a blip in the episode of calliope or whatever you said there slim it's great pronunciation <laughs> i mean i, I thought it was calliope it. calliope All right. maybe we should mm-hmm. start with that one where Cal- the the yeah. writer is having writer's block and he goes to this older elderly writer uh, and he hands him like this rare thing that is like payment or whatever and there's an elaborate story behind it i'm not doing it any justice so i'm not even going to mention what it is but the writer then reveals to him that he's been a success for so long because he kidnapped Calliope, this muse, this Greek muse, and she allows him to become, you know, this this uh, successful writer. Everything he writes is gold, and he's very rich and and popular, etc. And the writer then does the same thing. He locks her up and becomes famous and writes all these stories over the course of a few years, and then she... I mean, it's it's brutal. The guy, like, there, this issue, like, really slapped me in the face. Like, this guy, you kind of don't know, like, the Sandman series really shocks you with the evil inside of man that, oh, yeah. you're, that you're not really ready for or prepared mm-hmm. for. And it's just kept up over three trades. And this guy, you know, takes this woman... Um, you know, she's, she's totally naked as a jaybird the whole time. She, she locks her up. And like the first thing he does, of course, I think as Gaiman says, is just rape her. And this goes on for years where he just has her way with this woman. And his, in his mind, it doesn't matter because she's not really a woman. She's like something other than that. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing any, even like vocally, intermonologally, vote uh expresses the fact like he tries to reason with the fact mm-hmm. like it's okay because it's she's not real and and not only that it's like the duplicitous of man where he, he's talking to these women at the party 
and they're asking him for his like how did you get to this point of the book and he's like oh well i'm you know i think of myself as a feminist writer in your head you're like f you yeah like, you're i want to strangle you right now and there's this poor woman locked up that you're just abusing and and i think the overall the theme of this book was morpheus growing as a as a i want to say person he's not you know technically a person he's something more than that but in this volume i can't remember if they ever mentioned this in the other ones but he and calliope had a son and they had a falling out the son died and they they're they're off they're in bad terms so she asks for help and she's like okay anyone she eventually gives up and says like okay morpheus can come help me it doesn't matter at this point i need help and how many years what was like three years after that request he finally comes and and helps her yeah as i understood it when she asked he was still in his point of uh, captivity Mm -hmm. and then when he was finally released he answered the call and i really i thought of this volume as like morpheus becoming human or becoming closer to a human frame of mind because i think previously they had talked about the folly, and I think I used that word twice, a drink, of Morpheus and the fact that he thought himself so above everything and his pride was the reason he allowed himself to be captured. So I think his his time in captivity has changed his way about how he views mankind and what his job is as an endless. So here, you know... it. Uh, Calliope explains that you know they had a son together and because of some great evil she did to Morpheus in the past the son is no longer living so you know for him to forgive her and I think he even says at some point it's so far in the past it doesn't matter this isn't right and that's the reason he gets her out of it is uh, this four issue is like a symphony and each movement is Morpheus coming closer to what we would describe as humanity or, or human morality, which is pretty deep for a four-issue mini. Yeah, he definitely goes on. Uh, it's almost like it fits the the story that when he is let out of cap, when he escapes from captivity or is let out, he then goes on his mission to like start cleaning up the mess that was left when he was gone. And, uh, yeah, the, the Calliope issue, certainly like he's making his rounds. So he, he gets to Calliope when he does. And mm. like I, that, I mean, it's, it's, and, and, but then like the, the sheer and utter unforgiving nature that he has and the brutality that he can reverse on somebody is so, matter of fact and like almost black or white to him because people I guess maybe building up their karma in whatever way they do they kind of unleash it back upon themselves but as soon as uh, Sandman enters the picture he tells the guy he's like set her free or you know things are going to be bad for you and the guy's like i'm not going to set her free i i need ideas and she's my muse this is how i get ideas and sandman's like yeah okay well you're going to have 
more ideas than you know what to do with, basically. Like, he sounds a lot more menacing than I do mm-hmm. <laughs> saying it. But he eventually starts to go mad because these ideas that he has start just, like, spewing from his mouth. Like, he's like he's crazy. And he, like, works his fingers to the bone. Oh, God, that was so gross. Yeah, yeah. And he, like, bites them off because he needs something to write with and he couldn't find a pencil. <laughs> it was wild. But that... Any story has the ability to swing that deep and that uh, nightmarish. And it's all f- like whatever people do, they have come into them. And Morpheus sees to it hmm. almost. Like, and, he's, and he's very unforgiving that way. And that kind of leads us into like a natural bridge to the second issue. When you, you don't realize yet the scope of Morpheus' power, and more so in the second issue, he seems almost disconnected from it, no matter how powerful it is. So, in Dream of a Thousand Cats, you know, the prophet cat, you know, talks to like a group of alley cats about how the world used to be, and the cat says, you know, uh, it had kittens and the kittens were taken away from it. And that's something we do all the time, right? As human beings, we, you know, we breed cats and and whatever and separate families for us. It's nothing. So this cat has a problem with it and it goes into dream, the dream realm and seeks out Morpheus and it goes through quite a bit of trials to see, uh, Morpheus who takes the shape of a cat in this scenario. And it, you know, Basically, he asks, you know, why? Or she asks, why? Why is life this way? And Morpheus tells the tale of, you know, in prehistoric times that we we believe as the reader uh, that, you know, humans were small and cats ruled the earth and they hunted cats and cats were as mice as, uh, or, or humans were as mice as they are to cats now. And, you know, the cat asks Morpheus, you know, what happened? And Morpheus says, you know, one human being, you know, has free will, preaches to the rest of humanity and creates this perception, this dream that humans rule the earth. And the cat is like, well, I'll get enough cats to dream and we'll go back to that. And Morpheus is like, no, you don't understand. They dream so hard. They changed reality as to which your reality never existed. And, uh, that's such a broad stroke concept, but I think it, it fits into this comic so well that you see that that disconnected from Morpheus is this power of dream mm-hmm. that can not only change circumstance, but really change reality as we know it from scratch to where our old reality never existed. And you really see the perspective of Morpheus in that he sees all of this dream realities. Right, but he doesn't do any, he doesn't interfere. Right. He just... So how many times did it change? How many times did a, uh, a monkey dream that it was, you know, a world... How many times did someone dream it was Planet of the Apes? And how many times has reality turned over, but mm-hmm. Morpheus remains the same? And it's yeah. it's it's kind of like a toe in a deeper well. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's told through cats. Yeah, but it, I mean, it lays the groundwork, or it it implants the idea that 
this this is very real. Any of this is very real at any time. Morpheus is just there to kind of keep order to things. He he sees to it that uh, I guess dreams are successfully followed through with, but he doesn't interfere with what the dreams are or what or moreover what they produce. Right. Yeah. You know, he uh, he like, just makes sure there's a natural order to it, and they're not, uh, I guess, interfered with in a, in some sort of uh, unnatural way. I guess. And it really explains why Morpheus has kind of like that indifferent quality towards human beings that we really don't realize why yet. It's because to him, this reality might just be a blip. You know what I mean? That it, it's like. How much credence do you give to a TV character? Yeah, you're entertained by them, but they're not real. Mm-hmm. So to him, human beings as we know it might not be real. You get some of that in the final story with Death. I mean, she explains how, you know, I'm I'm here, but I'm also, you know, on a distant country, or I'm also, she, I'm everywhere where Death is. And mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty well well explained um yeah the cat the cat story was really good i thought i thought the discussion about you know taking away the kittens from the mother was really well done like you felt like garbage for that cat um and just i mean there's just i mean it's a it's a simple decision for the humans to make but it's just that i mean there's just there's just i said there's just so much darkness in this book, like, like simple darkness, like that. It's just a yeah. dark moment and it's told in a way that gets you connected with the character, uh, in a really, really easy way. Right. Which would otherwise be mundane mm-hmm. cats, cats that has kittens. You need to get rid of these kittens. You either, uh, you know, put a sign out front free kittens or in this particular case, person did the worst and threw the kittens in a river in a bag. But, and you can, and, and also obviously the way Gaiman writes it with the cat, you know, sitting in front of the fireplace about how she can feel the cold, you know, around them as they go into the lake. Really just terrible. But the, uh, the Midsummer Night's Dream, was that an oversized issue? It felt like an oversized issue. I know there's a lot of text in that, but. Unfortunately, it felt like the weakest issue too. But I mean, that's just Shockingly, I actually looked it up and apparently this is like the, the highest regarded Sandman issue pretty much out there like this really? one like a I crazy amount this was of a huge awards. speed bump i but uh, but then again i'm reading it late and right in an entire run so if this is mm. coming out monthly i could see how the that the script will be flipped i love that it ties um this kind of universal work that is shakespeare to sandman and the theme, which is perception, is more regarded than fact, which is this story of these characters, you know, Oberon, Titania, Puck, like the, the classic characters from A Midnight Summer's Dream, even though these situations from Gaiman's perspective never happened to the Fae because it's remembered in both reality and dream it holds more power than fact. I found that to be 
a great theme and a very Gaiman-ish theme. I just thought, the, I mean, the execution for me as somebody who's kind of like a quick reader to have to stop and reread for me was like a stumbling block to get through it. I don't know. I I thought it was uh, I thought it was really good. It was very uh, you know it was it, it had a different pacing than the other issues we've read in this. It was a lot more girthy with words, but I liked the connection, uh, like the six degrees of everything, because Shakespeare had the connection with Morpheus, and Shakespeare owed Morpheus he owes Morpheus two plays, and this is the first of two. And uh, and then Morpheus's connection with the Fae, who have written off the Earth and plane completely, and Morpheus is dragging them back for them to witness something that could be the greatest moment that they're witnessing, or the start of something big, the start of a, a future that like potentially will never die because of this play is still around, hmm. and that makes sense because like. I mean, we all read uh, Once a Future King, right? Uh, so the, for high school, do we not? I don't know, maybe. So like the, the essence of the phase power is the remembrance of man. So like as long as the old cultures remembered like, uh, not Morgan Le Fay, but like the Morrigan and like these these old Celtic gods, the more, like the, the remembrance fed their power. So like this issue had a deeper meaning as this is Morpheus telling the Fae like, Hey, I'm going to put something out that will always give you Mm. essence because it's going to be remembered through time and your names are going to be alive in this, this play forever. Or Mm -hmm. I think he puts it as until this generation burns out. So, I mean, there, there is something beautiful in that sentiment. Mm hmm. I while reading it, I I did have an awareness that like what I was reading was important and special, but it didn't connect with me on that level. Like I had the just the awareness of it, but I was it was kind of take it or leave it. And the the bits that I took from it were Sandman, Morpheus, Cure Neil having the kind of learning moment where he didn't quite understand when talking with Shakespeare about how his like adversary was gone think that was like his main adversary and and he he didn't understand his like human emotion to certain things about getting his wish and i felt like he was pondering that uh moment while he was watching the play like he he was having a learning situation where you know oh this is he's realizing that like you know humans can get their way and it might not be what they want or or what have you and that was that was kind of my main takeaway from this issue i I also, as I'm listening to you guys speak about it, as much as it is Sandman to Oberon, hey, I'm doing this for you, it's kind of like Neil to Shakespeare, also saying, hey, I'm doing this for you. Mm. You know, I regard your work so kindly, I'm going to put it into a comic, and hopefully a new generation of readers will know who Shakespeare is, Shakespeare is and what a Midsummer Night's Dream is. So back to that same man really just being, you know, Marty Stu Neil, uh, telling us how great things are. I kind of didn't click for me until we were just talking about it now, but that's that's kind of even cooler. Maybe that's why this issue 
is so well regarded because Neil kind of leaves himself naked to the reader saying, you know, I want you guys to know Shakespeare. I want you guys to know this play. It's important to me. So even though it's Sandman, it's really me telling you. Mm. Also how it's like so well integrated into kind of like William Shakespeare's life about how he had uh, two great plays. He owed Sandman. This is the first. The the next one's going to be at the end of his life. And also it kind of like integrates with the uh, timeline of William Shakespeare's son, Hamnet, and how he was taken at the age of 12 or 13. And that's kind of like foreshadowed in a beautiful way in this book, how the uh, son starts talking to Oberon or or the Lady Faye. Titania. Titania. And uh, Titania's like kind of almost like... Uh, asking Hamnet or telling Hamnet to kind of keep an open mind because, you know, they might be visiting that realm mm-hmm. sooner than later kind yeah. of thing. And, and he, he tells his father, he said, you know, I had a beautiful dream about a lady who asked me to come with her to this beautiful realm. Which, I mean, it's mm-hmm. neat. Uh, the final final issue follows, I think, an existing DC character who was like a you know C-level character that Gaiman decided to put in a single-issue story facade where this CIA or government employee, something happens to her, changes her appearance into kind of like a, you know, a superhero-type character, but her skin is changed, and she wants to kill herself, but she cannot because of the superpowers that she now has, and she lists all the ways of how she wanted to do and thought of, but then immediately cut out those ideas because they wouldn't work. <laughs> um, and then she has a meeting with death at the end. I thought this was really well done. And these are the stories that you don't, you know, I harp on it all the time or trump up gaming, but you don't get these kind of stories anymore. You don't get a whole issue devoted to one character, their inner thinking, whether it be mm-hmm. positive or negative and why they think that way. It's so rare. Yeah, it's it. It was really cool, and I don't know if uh, it's implied that these uh, characters exist in some sort of uh, more than one. But I know the only thing I could relate to in DC proper was Metamorpho. I think his name is, and he is definitely one of these races of you know army, the Ra's army. Mm-hmm. Of but uh, I guess. The, in their natural state, they look very cartoony, and you know I think he may have appeared in in one of the DC cartoons, but she's absolutely miserable with it when she was so focused on well and for good reason she was a human and she was used to having her looks. She now can't leave the house because uh, she can't adapt or look the part. And uh, that's really tripping her up. And she wants to end it. And somebody confides in her a secret. And dur- during this meeting, like her her face that she was able to kind of like assemble onto her head, like falls off into her soup. And from there, things just spin out of control. And it's really, really goes deep. And, and she has like this heart to heart with death about it. 
and death just like lays it out to her. It's like, you're not ready yet. This is, you know, this is different and this sucks. Yeah, what was her one line right before she changed her mind? She's like, uh, I don't know, it was really pointed at her. Like, you make your own life or you make your own positivity. I can't remember what it was. I should mm-hmm. have screenshotted it, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you make your own hell. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was good. Now, the the ending, I had questions about the ending. So, it she tells her this story about, you know, Ra, the sun god, and how you just need to look at him and and ask him for something and and you know then you'll have your answer now she she does this she looks at the sun i guess maybe for the first time i didn't quite get it but then she the sun and i i presume the heat does something to her i i think mm-hmm. i need a literal explanation of what happened there i see i don't i don't have a literal one what i think is that you know, Ra is the sun god, so she communicates directly to Ra. And, uh. But know, she didn't know she had it in her until Death pointed out to her. I, right. That's how I believed it. Yeah, so she could have been, she could have asked for this generations ago, but instead is just now getting, you know, asked directly, you know, Ra is the sun. Asked the sun, you know, can I go back to normal? And in the true kind of like old god story fashion, he doesn't return her to normal. He makes her like a statue. And then eventually she just kind of breaks down and dies. And the irony of the issue is all she wanted was this connection with the with the guy, I forget his name, uh, from the CIA who she calls every week about her check. He, it's understood that he transfers departments so he could start a relationship with her and kind of change her life as it is. But she misses that opportunity because she wants death so badly. So, like, the premise of the issue is, you know, even though you want out, you have no idea what's around the corner that could change your life. There you have it. It's, yeah, it was, it was interesting because it's all, like, it was a happy ending. I mean, kind of like sh- sure she missed this opportunity to maybe sweet. Yeah, w- it was sweet. Like it was bittersweet, but it didn't leave you like with this empty pit of a feeling in your where your stomach would be because she found, uh, you know, she found the silence or she found the answer. She found, uh, you know, rest finally or peace of mind. And it then turns out that death like answered the phone and it's Mr. Mulligan and Brett uh Morgan, that's it and then she says uh uh who am i just a friend sometimes maybe sorry i couldn't help any be seeing you and then that's kind of it but it was sweet kind of mm. yeah sandman volume three fantastic why aren't we re- why aren't we doing the summer of sandman <laughs> i mean come on <laughs> Now, what what is the the hardcover that we have? How does the hardcover that was a, a dear gift from oh, Matt, yeah. very exciting? How does that fit into this? Does anybody know? Nope. Is that the, the Death Mini series? I don't know. I think that is the Death Mini. It sounds like something I should know, but I don't. We'll get the intern on it. Yeah. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. 
Our first letter comes to us from dear friend of the show at Top 5 Bananas. He writes, guest host. Hey, fellas, what a show. Was great to hear Scotty Young's take on a book club. Heck, he did so great, maybe one day he could fill in for Slim. And since he spoke, and that's a joke because he did fill in for you one time. We forgot to record it. So thanks a lot, Top 5 Bananas. Uh, And since he spoke so highly of Jason Aaron, perhaps he could do a Jason Aaron book. But I wouldn't trust Jonesy's gateway to record his audio, so better off putting Dale in charge of it. You know, Top 5 Bananas, you started up here, and to the listeners, I'm indicating a high level above my brow. You know, now you're down here at my mic level. Below Uh, brow. Anyways. People make mistakes. uh, I recently... (laughs) And it was, in fact, Coddle Seven Bastards. Him, it was a Jason Aaron book. So Top 5 Bananas is on it. But, <laughs> you know, his, this is like a honeycomb of trolls in this one letter. Uh, he writes, anyways, I recently got around to reading I Kill Giants, and I absolutely loved it. Not only was the story amazing, but the art was incredible. This got me realizing that lately I've been really drawn more towards books with black and white and gray art. What are some of your favorite colorless books? Keep pumping up the winds, babe, at Top 5 Bananas. Your favorite black and white book, Slim. What is it? I, I, the name, for whatever reason, escapes me, but Dale did not like it when it was our book club. Do you remember? What mm-hmm. was that? No. David Lapham. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Go on here. I'll answer Dave Usaki Yojimbo. Oh. It's probably my favorite black and white book of all time. Uh, David Lapham. Stray Bullets. Right. I that's mean, good, though, right? It's good. That's real good. You want to talk about the evil that men do. Right. Evil that just about everybody does. We should do the second volume of that. Ooh! Ooh! Your gorgeous face. <laughs> I'd probably go with, uh, I mean, there's so much now, but maybe Strangers in uh, Paradise or... Rachel Rising, mm, your boy. Sweet Terry Moore action, your boy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put that in our mind docs and forget about it by tomorrow. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for the uh, letter, Top Five Bananas. Uh, we love you. Follow the guy on Twitter at Top Five Bananas. He usually tweets out just some real gems of comic book panels. Hmm. Next one is uh, subject one from the old Nieto Kives. <laughs> Sunglasses emoji. Hey, fellas, a long time ago, back when Jonesy was still redlining and DC still had a historian, one of you suggested a miniseries that piqued my interest. Intrigued, I picked it up way back when and only just got around reading it this past week. So here's my listener right around for the five-issue self-contained story of Halcyon. Mm. Written by Tara Butters and Mark Guggenheim with art by Ryan Bodenheim. Mm. It all starts with the unlikely murder of Osama bin Laden. And suddenly, five short issues later, I'm staring at the black screen of my iPad long after it's gone into sleep mode, wondering why it, why is it, why <laughs> did I wait so long? Nieto. Did you just break my bees? A moment ago when I couldn't read. Butters and Guggenheim expertly craft a story of familiar yet endearing heroic analogs struggling to hold together as they face their most infernal threat yet, world peace. 
Hope you guys are well. I don't really know you, and you guys certainly don't know me, but the community you three have generated around the passion project that is Paper Keg, well, it's truly something special, and that's something I've never really had before. Mm. Because of this camaraderie, I would like you to know that while I may not be there physically when you guys bully Jonesy for his health or shame him publicly for trying to lend a hand with the producing of the show, understand I'm there in spirit, slowly chipping away at his ego one dog pile at a time. So Jonesy, when you look down in the sand and see only one set of footprints, know that it's only because Slim and Dale have ostracized you in order to build a better, more closely knit community at your expense. Now, I will point out that previously in the letter, he calls me by correct name, Jonesy. And then for that one trolley paragraph, he changes it to Johnsy. So, I mean, talk about layers upon layers. Uh, that's at Nieto underscore NMS on the Twitter. P.S. One last thing. Can you guys slip in a Jonesy yeah boy sounder for me? Wow. He's my favorite living host, and I need to clip it out for an inspiring new alarm for my morning workouts. So a digital note to Slim while you're editing this part of the podcast. <laughs> please try to find that audio file. I wish Nieto would have told me a timestamp of the episode where that appeared so I could have just copied it out. I don't think I have that one. We'll see what the editing process looks like. But I, I, I read that, and I couldn't remember what the heck it was. But now I remember what it was. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, boy. boy. I don't remember what context it was, but I think we hassled you for it pretty hard. Oh, no. No, really? You guys hassled me? Yeah, I know no it's shit. hard to think about. I'm but. sorry. No, uh, edit that out. I apologize. <laughs> Bleep that out, or just cut my audio for that line. Run out of tape. Uh, our next letter. We got to run out of tape. Uh... FYI. From dear friend of the show, Caleb, he writes, uh, So since my last letter, I decided not to wait for your reply, and I joined Comixology Unlimited and proceeded to try the first volumes of East of West, Black Science, Southern Bees, and Fatal, all of which I loved and plan on continuing to read. I also tried Criminal, which I also love, but not sure if I'll be continuing. So the letter ends here. Uh, no, he said, uh, and lastly, I read Trees, which in my humble opinion is poopy trash oh on God. a garbage mountain. Wow. I person. also have others I plan on trying, such as Low, mm. Deadly Class, mm. Manhattan Projects, Lazarus, mm. and others. Mm-hmm. And the rest, <laughs> I'll keep y'all updated if any of these cause me to ruin my pants. I also plan on buying Fear Agent based on your recommendations. I didn't say it in my last letter, but a few creators that I love are Hickman, Jason Aaron, and Remendo. Hickman's Marvel work is crazy good and probably my favorite comics ever. Wow. So knowing that if you have any other recommendations based on what you think I might like, let me know. Also, is there a chance of a book club on any of the following? Hickman's Fantastic Four, S.H.I.E.L.D. Avengers, Remendo's Uncanny Avengers, Captain America or Jason Aaron's Wolverine, Wolverine the X-Men, Ghost Rider. I love all of those and would love to hear y'all break them down. I know my last letter had you on edge because of the time and the fact that my Twitter is very sketchy all around. I had, I just got off work when I tried to email you and it wasn't working. So I did in fact create my Twitter for the sole purpose of messaging you. But before I did that, I Facebook messaged you. You made it very clear that this was terrible 
and please forgive me. Just know that I feel the issues of trees that I read were more than enough punishment for my transgressions. I mean, if anything, I was really hassling Dale, not, you know. Yeah, which is atypical. Uh, Also, I was not trying to hack or attack you in any way, but I guess I was, uh, that's exactly what I would say. Exactly. I'll end this letter now so you can go to your children's college graduation since I know this letter is enormous and took years to read. Thanks again, Caleb. Caleb, thanks for the letter. I think we did do Remendo's Captain America Volume 1. Did we? Dimension Z? Dimension Z, I think we did. I think it was a gem of an episode. It's a gem of a book. uh, We did a, a short burst of Hickman's Fantastic Four in our first ever remote test podcast oh wow 76 or 75.5 or 76.1 maybe 71.3 um the square root of 114 (laughs) yes caleb uh i apologize for you know jumping on you with about your egg avatar just you know you gotta watch out for egg avatars on twitter you never know but i know you're you're on the up and up now so feel free to tweet us uh anytime you want to friend (laughs) I forgot about that comment. Um, next up, it's from official show intern who doesn't really intern anymore. He spends all his time at concerts. <laughs> Matt HH. Are, are we sure that it's Matt HH or is it his secretary writing this letter? Let me just yeah. say, Matt HH, we'll dictation? ask Matt HH if he wants to play uh, Rocket League. And he always has some kind of jet-setting excuse. That, oh, I'm that sorry, I'm in another. I'm out of the other side of the con- country at a concert. I'm He's taking a, a private party. jet to Czechoslovakia to watch the ballet. I mean, I feel he, like tonight. He's always got something going on. Wait until you have kids, him. pal. If you have kids, if you want to have kids, you know, no pressure. With the Slavs, he's watching the ballet. You know. Is that, can you say that on the sound, show? You, I mean, Slavs? I don't think it's a super derogatory name Is that there. Slovakians? Is that what you're talking about? Can't we just call them the Slavs? Is this Slovakian? If, if you can, is that I not gotta, PC? I gotta ask my Slovakian friends what that means. I don't think that you have any Slovakian. Well, friends. that's inappropriate. This is this is this is going places. <laughs> uh, if I offended any Slavs, Jonesy's trying comments, to make America great again over there. In a letter, and make sure in this letter you say how great Slim is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Greetings, Keggers. Matt H.H. here. Long time no talk. You guys have been on a tear of great episodes that have kept me riveted Thank on you. the treadmill, which is interchangeable for concert, Bob Dylan concert, <laughs> Shovels and Rope concert. The spirit of friendship Private you guys have created. With, you know, whatever. The spirit of friendship you guys have created with this podcast inspired me to see if I could do something to contribute. So I'm reaching out today to invite my fellow members of the Paper Keg family to join the new Paper Keg Slack team. If you're like Jonesy and haven't heard of it, Slack is a real-time chat application with integrated channels that allow you to discuss different topics, uh, e.g. book club, pickle niff, tech smoke, etc. live or to log in at any time and see what people are talking about. It's a great place to share gifts, ideas for comics you want to read, chat about recent episodes, coordinate to game online, or just hang out with pals. A crack team of your va- of your favorite legacy paper keg friends and a certain VP of merch have been beta testing this community for the last few weeks and we're ready to open it up. If you want to check it out, send me a Twitter DM at MattHH or send me an email at MattHH at gmail.com 
and I'll add you to the Slack team. Membership is totally free, so come check it out. It's going to be great. Thanks, and I hope to see you guys there. Matt HH. So uh, special, th- yeah, so Matt HH uh, started up this Slack team for Paper Keg. Um, if you guys want to give him a shout, he, he's, he's more or less adminning this thing right now to see if it uh, admin. takes off. I uh, Up until this letter came out, I'd forgotten that I had to disable all Slack notifications <laughs> because Matt HH da- created a channel in the Paper Keg Slack and it said, discuss your sp- totally spoiler-filled Game of Thrones <laughs> stuff here. <laughs> and it was like hours before the the last episode and I knew I wasn't going to say it so I had to disable all my notifications because I didn't know what was going to come across. Oh my gosh. All right, so Dale, but treat me like I know nothing about technology for a second. He just explained it in the letter, Jonesy. So do I download an app? Like do I go to my app store and search for Slack? Is this something that I need to use my I think you Google might need a, Chrome for? You might need to DM Matt HH for details. <laughs> yes. I'm just, like, l- let me be the audience. I'm just advocating for the audience. How do you're, I, what's step one to getting Slack on my iPhone? Step one is hitting the uh, your iTunes store, app okay. store, to yep. download the Slack application. Right, okay. Uh, then you're going to search your paper keg email because you've got an invite e- sitting in your paper keg I? email. That's probably uh, sits right next to your paper Kay. keg calendar that you <laughs> use. Note number two, set up paper keg email on my phone. Oh, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, geez. Not another email account on your phone. Um, and then uh, open it up. It's like it, you know, to you it would be like Google Hangouts. It's it's like a group chat application, really. Okay, all right. Simple to use. I feel like this is right up Jonesy's alley. He gets to interact with friends of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, the adulation that Jonesy so richly deserves could finally be mere moments away. You know, I didn't ask uh, where the sarcasm app was on my phone. Oh like, my God. So. <laughs> You know, just eat a cold one. Me. All right, next letter uh, comes to us from dear friend of the Run show. Out of tape. Uh, letter number two at top five bananas. Making it into the top five of the letters this evening. He writes, "Listener lightning round." Archie, volume one, featuring Mark Wade and Fiona Staples. I came for the beautiful Fiona Staples art. I stayed for the brilliantly written teenage drama. Mm. Pretty deep. I like listening to lightning rounds. Did I ever tell you guys that? Never. Top, top five it. bananas kills it too. He's he does a great job. Xbox on. What wow, a show. Don't even don't even edit that out because that <laughs> just made me, you know. Next week. Xbox on. Do we do we we'll talk about it offline? I don't know if we have confirmed what the next <laughs> book is. Uh, you know thanks for listening we'll see everybody next time maybe I'll be here maybe who knows gosh SDCC hashtag
Jag San Diego. Matt H.H. is probably there right now. He's probably setting up some kind of dinner event. He's probably got concert, his, Bruce know, Springsteen. His team bringing in some chafing dishes, getting your meals ready. It's probably yeah. there's probably some official slack after party after Hall H, mm-hmm. and you're going to be invited, you dirtbag, because you're going to be there. Tim, if you ever give me a, a slack wife beater size two X, if you can. John says inappropriate. What naming my size or calling it's it? It's inappropriate. Oh, I'm sorry. The it's if the you cut thing. that out, the slack slave beater. A shirt with a uh, 2X, please. Let's Double see. X Slav beater. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I have a, a uh, Live DC producing. question. Here we go. All right. <laughs> it's Another just 20 not minutes produce, of this fireside. Not producing. All right, just calm, calm down, Slim. Ready. Get that size shave. Get a fresh cut, you know. Concentrate over there. You're, like, you're, you're veering, like Josie. You're veering. So, I think I've said it before, no interest in watching Supergirl. Now I read on my news feed that the CW network is going to integrate it with Arrow and The Flash. So, my question is, are we going to see Superman or Batman possibly on the small screen and is the DC small screen universe about to pay off big time? Like, am I going to see Batman on an, on an episode of Supergirl? Do I need to start watching it is my question. Well, here's what I heard. I have never watched any of these shows, but I did see some scuttlebutt online that casting is out because you need for a Superman for the small screen, but why... I don't like because you're not going to pay, I guess, Henry Cavill. But come on. Well, they didn't get um, TV flash for the movies, right? No. So I guess they're still maintaining that it's two different Xbox universes. So Xbox on. You know, I don't. I don't know. I'm at a loss. Jones so, just woke his baby up. Question: <laughs> They're not here, so I can scream as much as I want. They on vacation? Uh, yeah, again. They're on vacation 15 to my eight. <laughs> uh, so I guess the question is, do I watch Supergirl or do I do I have to? I think you have to. I think it's part of the I universe. Think. You have to start watching it in order to get involved. Rough. You and you're, start, you have to start watching the three that of Legends us. of Tomorrow. You have to oh, God. Start Legends watching of the Tomorrow backlog. has zero interest in watching that show. Well, out I heard, of the three heard, of us, Jonesy, you're the only one that has the time, apparently, to watch oh, it. Oh, okay. Well, that's we true. It's I've heard that words. Batman is going to be on Legends of Tomorrow. So I think, you know, you probably start watching. If it's Batman Beyond, you know, let's just say I might knock this table over. You know what I mean? <laughs> Doing push-ups with your... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should cut it there. Kip Doing a kip-up with it. Did you Google that kip up? Did you add that to your your regimen tomorrow? It's repertoire. Xbox Bing kip ups. <laughs>